Last week we closed in these verses. We're going to go to it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take your stand and stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray for me also so that whenever I may speak words I may be, that may be given to me, I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. For I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, sooner or later, every believer discovers that the Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. And that he or she faces an enemy which is much stronger than he and she is, apart from the Lord. The Apostle Paul, that he should use a military picture to illustrate the believer's conflict with Satan is reasonable. He himself, at the writing of this letter, was chained to a Roman soldier. And his readers were certainly familiar with soldiers and the equipment that they used. In fact, military illustrations were the favorite illustration for the Apostle Paul. Now you have that example in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4. You've got it in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 12. You got it in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 3 and 2 Timothy 4 7. He liked to use military illustrations. Last week we ended up our sermon with these verses that were just read to you today. Today we're going to dig deeper into them. As Christians, we face three enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Now that's Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. The world refers to the system around us that is opposed to God that caters to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Now you can read about that for yourself in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Let's break it down. Society apart from God is a simple but accurate definition of the world. Society apart from God. Now the flesh... Is the old nature which we inherited from Adam, a nature that is opposed to God 
and can do nothing spiritual to please God. By his death and resurrection, Jesus Christ overcame the world. And you can read this for yourself in John chapter 16, verse 33, or Galatians 6, 14. By his death and resurrection, Jesus Christ overcame the flesh. And all you got to do is look in the book of Romans, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, or Galatians 2, verses Chapter 2, verses 20. Now I'm going to give you a lot of verses today, because this is not my opinion, this is God's holy word. This is what he's telling us. And by his death and resurrection, Jesus Christ overcame the devil. You can read that in many places in God's holy word. Like the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 9, 19 through 23. 19 through 23. In other words, as believers... We do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. The Spirit of God enables us, by faith, to appropriate Christ's victory for ourselves. In these verses of the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, he discusses four topics. Two anyone who will read them. His time was short and he wanted to pass on things of first importance. That readers needed to know, that his friends needed to know. So that his readers, by understanding and applying these truths, might walk in victory and not in defeat. Anybody in here feeling this, being, being feeling defeated this week or two, three, four? You don't have to walk in defeat. So let's move on to the enemy. Now, the intelligence department of any army or military plays a vital war and role in warfare because it enables officers and soldiers to know and understand the enemy. Unless we know who the enemy is, where he is, and what he can do, we have a difficult time in defeating him. Make sense? Not only in Ephesians chapter 6, but throughout the entire Bible, God instructs us about the enemy. So there is no reason for us sitting here today to be caught off guard. Does that make sense? The enemy has many different names. The devil means the accuser because he accuses God's people day and night before the throne of God. Now you can see that and read that for yourself in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. Satan means adversary. That's what the name means because he is the enemy of God. He's also called the tempter. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. And the murderer and the liar is, that's John 8, 44. And he is compared to a lion in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. And a serpent in Genesis and in Revelation. Now that's Genesis 3, 1, Revelation 12, 9, if you want to check it out. And he is referred to as an angel of light. 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, 13 through 15. As well as the God of this age. That is 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Now, where did he come from? This spirit creature that seeks to oppose God and defeat his work. In, in the original creation, he was Lucifer, son of the morning. That's Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. And he was cast down because of his pride and his desire to occupy God's throne. Many mysteries are com- are connected with the origin of Satan. But what he is doing and where he is going are certainly no mystery to anyone who will read God's word. So I'm going to hit it. I'm going to read it again. It's going to pop up on this wonderful screen. You're going to fill in your blanks and your thing, right? What he is doing and where he is going is certainly no mystery for anyone who will read God's holy word. Since he's a created being and not an eternal one like God, he is limited in his knowledge and his activity. Unlike God, Satan is not all-knowing or all-powerful or everywhere present, what we call omnipresent. It's a church word, right? He's not everywhere present. Then how does he accomplish so much in so many different parts of the world that you and I live in today? Well, the answer is he has an organization of organized helpers, demons. The Apostle Paul called them the principalities, the powers, the rulers, the spiritual wickedness in high places. That's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Now, allow me a modern day translation for you sitting here today. For our contest is not with human foes alone, but with the rulers, the authorities, and the cosmic powers of this dark world. That is the spiritual forces of evil challenging us in the heavenly contest. This suggests a definite army of demonic creatures that assist Satan as he attacks against believers. The Apostle John tells anyone who will read God's holy word that one-third of the angels fell when Satan, with Satan and because of Satan when he rebelled against God. That is found in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 4. And Daniel wrote about Satan's angels struggle against God's angels for the control of the affairs of nations. That is Daniel chapter 10, verses 30, somewhere in that range, right? You'll find it. I think it's um, 13 through 20. 13 through 20, as I look at my notes. A spiritual battle is going on in the world and the sphere of the heavens that you are, and you and I are part of this battle. Anybody feel like we've been in a battle these last couple of years? Let me say that again. A spiritual battle is going on in the world and the sphere of the heavens. Knowing this makes walking in victory vitally important 
It's an important thing to us and to God. The important point is that our battle is not against human beings. Our battle is against spiritual powers. We are wasting our time fighting people when we ought to be fighting the devil who seeks to control people and make them oppose the work of God. Now, during Paul's ministry in Ephesus, a riot took place that could have destroyed the church. Now, that's Acts chapter 19, verses 20 through 41. If you want to read about the riot, we have riots happening all the time now. Anybody watch riots on television? They had riots, even back then. And it, it wasn't only caused by Demetrius and his associates, for behind them, the Satan and his associates were instigating the riot. Certainly, Paul and the church prayed, and the opposition was silenced. Now, the oh, this one's going to get you now, here now. I'm going to take you real Old Testament. The advice of the king of Syria... Found in 1 Kings chapter 22, uh, starts in verse 31. This was to his soldiers, can be applied to our spiritual battle or spiritual fight right now. And he said, fight neither with small or great, save only the king. Save only the king. The warning that the Apostle Paul gave indicated that Satan is a strong enemy. And we need the power of God to be able to withstand and to stand against him. Never underestimate the power of the devil. He is not compared to a lion or a dragon just for fun. In the book of Job, the book, now the book of Job, if you want to really read something to get the book of Job, Tell how his power and how much his power can do to a man's body, his home, his wealth, and his friends. Jesus called Satan the thief who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Those words of Jesus are found in John chapter 10 verse 10. Jesus called him that. Not only is Satan strong, but he's also wise and subtle, and and we fight against the wiles of the devil. Wiles means cunning, crafty arts, stratagems. He's all... Let me get off the sermons. I'm going to get in trouble here. I've got, I've got to get back to it. I'm not going to get done. But if you can't see he's wild cunning and the stratagems going on, every there's more dominoes falling than we ever know that's going on. He, he works in many playing grounds. You've got to be aware for this. Oh, gosh. How am I going to... i got to stay on track here. I'm going to get off trouble, right? The problem is i got a lot to cover in a short bit of time to do it in. See, the Christian cannot afford to be ignorant of his devices. Some men are cunning and crafty and lie in wait to deceive. 
Notice I didn't say women. Some men are coming. Women, I am, remember, this is Mother's Day, right? But behind them is the arch deceiver, Satan. He masquerades as an angel of light and seeks to blind men and women's minds to the truth of the Word of God. In fact, Paul uses the word wrestle, which indicates that we are involved in hand-to-hand and hand-to-hand battle. And we're not mere spectators of the game. You're not a spectator. Satan wants to use our external enemy, the world. Can you feel that in your bones, that he wants to use the world? And our eternal enemy, the, the flesh, to defeat us. His weapons and battle plans are formidable. And have taken down many people. Since we're fighting against enemies of the spirit world, we need special equipment. Both for our offense and our defense. God has provided the whole armor for us and we dare not, we dare not omit any part of it, of this armor. Satan looks for that unguarded area where he can get a foothold. Paul commanded his readers, put on the whole armor, take up the weapons and withstand against Satan. All of which we do by faith. Following that Christ has already conquered Satan and that the spiritual armor and weapons are available by faith if we accept what God has done for us and go out and meet the foe. He's already conquered. The day is evil. The enemy is evil. But if God be for us, who can be against us? Now, that is Romans 8.31. The day is evil. The enemy is evil. But if God be for us, who can be against us? Early in the morning, I used this illustration years and years ago. So somebody, so it's actually, I can't remember how many years ago. I think it was 11 years ago, maybe 13 years ago. It's an older story, but it fits perfectly here. A motorcycle policeman named Bob Vernon saw a red pickup. They use motorcycles in California where the weather's really nice, you know. They can get around through the traffic, right? And he saw a red pickup speeding to a stop sign. And he turned on the siren and he gave chase. The pickup pulled over and Vernon approached on the driver's side door to ask for ID. But what the police officer did not know is the driver had just engaged in an armed robbery of a convenience store and had a sack of cash of money sitting on the seat beside him. So no sooner had Vernon approached on the driver and said, Good morning, sir. May I see your... Then the driver pulled out his gun and fired into the policeman's chest from four inches away. The force, the blast of the force and the shot actually pushed the policeman back seven feet. He fell back seven feet and he fell on the ground. Believing that the officer 
was dead, the driver prepared to drive away. But Vernon stood up and pulled his service revolver and fired twice. The first bullet went through the open window and smashed out the windshield. The second one tore through the door and ripped open the driver's leg. The driver began to scream, don't shoot, and threw out the gun and the money of that pickup window and was placed under arrest. Now, now wait a minute. Now, you're saying, didn't he just shoot him four inches away? Yeah, he did. See, there's no way that officer should have lived. No way he should have been able to recover like that. Adrenaline helped once, once you figure out what's going on. Except he was wearing a Kevlar vest and had these plates in it, steel plates, you know. It's a three-eighths inch Kevlar vest. It was strong enough to stop the bullet. But now Vernon had two ribs broken by the concussion. It didn't stop the concussion of the shell hitting him. Like I said, it went back seven feet. But the adrenaline made him so he could get right back up. You can do amazing things when the adrenaline's running. And then you all fall apart. Any nurse can tell you that, right? You can walk in with a broken wrist or arm or something, then it hurts. In our text today, Paul tells us to put on our Kevlar. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the day of evil. And having done all to stand firm. Is Ephesians 6.13. Our policeman's story, he had his armor on. And that allowed him to stand and stand firm. Sorry about his broken ribs, but he lived. That's why they wear that stuff. And scripture says that we have armor that allows us to stand up and stand firm. The problem for a lot of churchgoers is there's kind of a disconnect going on. Now, I know I'm talking to the choir, but I'm going to share it anyhow. This passage tells us, sitting here today, that there's a fight going on. And we are engaged in something of a holy war. That's what it's telling us. And that whether we win or lose, it depends on how prepared we are. Now, a lot of churchgoers seem ignorant to this reality. We are at war. We are called to prepare, to be prepared, to engage our enemy every day of the week. Not just on Sunday. And if we ever forget that, that we are at war with our enemy, there will come a time when we're not going to be wearing our armor like we should be, or our, our church won't be wearing its armor, and we're going to get hurt. It's when you let down your guard. You must make up your mind not to give up the fight until he's defeated. And you do this by being prepared to fight with the proper armor. Which brings us, of course, to our armor. Oh, I almost thought about bringing swords, but I decided I probably shouldn't. I've done it before. Yeah, I get in trouble. There's kids downstairs, so I don't want to have soldiers. Now, there's five pieces of armor we talk about here today. 
about the truth. Someone has noted that the belt was a sash designed to keep everything attached. The belt kept all your armor attached. It went underneath the armor. It's, it, it actually wraps around there. It's, it can be leather. It can be cloth, right? And it was in place, depending on your, what legion you're in. Our one Bible commentary believes that Paul is telling us, and I, I like what he said, so I'm telling you, one Bible commentary believes us that Paul is telling us, now hear this out, that our honesty and our sincerity and our truthfulness, it holds our armor together. The belt of truth. If we're hypocrites, our armor will be useless. The breastplate of righteousness. Not our righteousness, but Christ's righteousness. That's the ultimate Kevlar vest. Christ's righteousness protects our breast area, our heart. That's where your heart is. And thus, the righteousness of Jesus Christ protects our heart. The sandals of peace. It, now, the, the literal translation of this says, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. That's Ephesians 6.15, literal, word-for-word translation. Nothing else matters if we don't do that. As Christians, we need to take our stand for the gospel. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 declares, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I will proudly proclaim the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. Because it is the power unto salvation. The shield of faith. Your faith in Jesus. In the Christ is your shield. If you don't trust Jesus, if you don't rely on him, you don't have a shield. Bottom line. And you won't stand up because Satan will take you out. The helmet of salvation. The helmet protects my head. That's where most of us have a brain, right? It controls how you think. The helmet protects my thinking because I am now a forgiven man or woman. I'm a changed man or woman. I am a saved man or woman. It is the helmet of my salvation. My salvation is reflected in my life because I know how this salvation defines who I am. Let me note something here now. Most of this armor is defensive. A little sidebar here. The, the breastplate, the belt, the breastplate, the sandals, the shield, the helmet, they're all designed to protect you. Sidebar here, rabbit trail. Every Roman soldier was how to, trained how to turn each one of those into an offensive weapon. A shield is a perfect offensive weapon when you don't have anything else. The, the, the helmet can be turned. They trained in them, but by, by and large, they're all defensive. They're all defensive. They're designed to protect you. 
but not just you. The armor is also designed to protect those around you. Now hear this out, hear this out. Back in the days of Rome, other armies had swords, and they had shields, and they had helmets and such. It was a normal thing. But the Roman legion had an advantage. They fought as a unit. They protected each other. When they marched, they marched as one into battle. That's why Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 and 25 tell us, let us consider how to stir one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together. As the habit, or as the habit is, of some of them. But encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need each other if we're going to fight against Satan. We need to have each other's backs. We need to fight as one body if we're going to defeat our enemy. Which brings us to the weapons. I like the weapons. Because you can't fight without weapons, right? So Paul describes our weapons in this way. The first is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. you got to have a sword. Anybody here with me? Or am I just the only crazy one here? I have more than one sword. I like swords. Oh, yeah. But you got to have a sword. But this just isn't any old sword. This is the Word of God. This is your weapon. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. There's power in this book. That's because it's the sword of the Spirit. That's why everybody hates it. This book has power. God even says, this is my favorite verse. This is my verse. You all know it, right? My word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You can find those wonderful words in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, 11. Every time you quote scripture, you unleash power of God's spirit into a conversation. The second weapon is praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. Those words were given to me to open my mouth, to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. That's Ephesians 6, 18 through 19. 
There are people who don't think of prayer as a weapon. But the Apostle Paul believed it was. And I'm with him. He said, pray that words might be given to me. He believed that their prayers had the power to give him the edge. Think about it this way. The military, there's a there's someone called a forward observer. He's got a satellite phone on him, but he's out in the very front lines, right? And he basically, he hides, you know, in the the forward position, and he calls in the location of the target for artillery and airstrikes. A lone man out in the middle of nowhere calling in for airstrikes, or groups of two. The forward observer is one of the most powerful weapons because he is calling in the big guns. Think of prayer as calling in an airstrike. When you pray, you're calling in the big guns. You're not just doing what you can do. You're unleashing the power of heaven so that God can do it. Now, I've told you years ago, here's another one of my old illustrations. But she's still alive, but I love the illustration. You know how you keep a file of all these illustrations? They're so good you don't want to give them up. I told you once before about our Wesleyan missionary, Garnett Kalsaa. a unique name. And a few years ago, years, 11, 13, 14, whatever it was, this illustration fits so perfectly here, I just got to reuse it. She's located in southern Mexico in the area that the communists are trying to take over, Right? And they were holding a revival in this small Mexican town. And there was a large group of communists, communist rebels. They're very, they're very active right now in southern Mexico. And they're destroying all the churches and burning them. And it's terrible, right? They're, they attended to violently opposed to Christians. They believed in clubs and torches and all this. And so there was a mob waiting outside of the hall where this revival was held. Of course, the Christians inside the hall didn't, hadn't taken in weapons, right? They had no way to defend themselves. And they eventually had to leave. The crowd's outside yelling, screaming, ranting, and raving at them. So they all knelt down as one. And they prayed. Fervent prayers. Calling out for God. Then they got up and marched out of that hall as one to face the mob together. But the mob had disappeared. They called in an airstrike. You can, I can give you a name, you can call her up, check her on it. They disappeared. They went from calling for hellfire and brimstone to fall on the Christians inside to where the Christians sent them away. Because of prayer. Think about that for a moment. Because of prayer, they disappeared. If you were in that situation, how fervent would your prayers have been? Now as we start to close, notice the word start, right? Notice that Paul asked the church to pray that words might be given to me. In opening my mouth to proclaim the mystery of the gospel... 
Who's he one to preach to? Pagans and sinners. A people who a lot of churches wouldn't let in their door. In scripture, God describes these people who were by nature children of wrath, which were the enemies of God. They were the sons of disobedience. But why does Paul want to preach to them? Because they weren't his enemy. Do you remember us saying that we're not fighting against flesh and blood? We're we're not fighting pagans, we're unbelieving men and women, because pagan mortals are our target. That's, that's our audience. That's who we want to save from the pit of hell. Paul wrote, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant quarrels and controversies. You know, they breed more quarrels. And the Lord's servant, he also went on to say, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Now this is important, that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. That they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. And after being captured by him, the devil, to do his will. Now you, if you want to read Paul's words for yourself, that's 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses, no, verse, chapter 2 verses 23 through 26. Now did you catch that? We're not to be argumentative and controversial with folks. That's, that's a tough line. We're supposed to tell the truth, but not be argumentative. Anybody in your nature like a good argument? Any of you like to stay out of a good argument? See, our goal is not to win arguments about politics. Our goal is not to share insulting memes about folks who disagree with. Our goal is not to win the arguments. Our goal is to win souls for Jesus Christ and to save them from the pit of hell. Now, here's a map of dangerous countries. I want you to notice Mexico is the 39th most dangerous country in the world for Christians. Southern Mexico, they're burning churches down there like mad. These are your dangerous countries, different levels. Egypt, we know we will have one of our churches burnt down there. But China is my favorite one here. China's number 43. There's a man there named by Chen Win Sung. Now he, in October, August, it's August, what's his last arrest? I looked up August 3rd, 2022, his last one I got record of. He was arrested for what's called street evangelism in China on the streets of his town. In other words, he was talking to people about Jesus. And the Chinese government was not pleased, so he ended up in jail for 10 days. Well, when the officials arrested Chen, he had just been released from a previous arrest. In fact, getting arrested for preaching had become such a habit for Chen that everyone knew his name, they knew where he lived, they, they, they wasn't, it wasn't just what happens, you arrest him every 10 days. 
And how did Chen respond to this injustice? He responded by witnessing to the officers who arrested him and encouraged them to believe in Jesus. They ain't going to shut him up. They just keep throwing him in jail. Now we're told that the Apostle Paul was arrested in a jail in Rome and he converted a number of the Praetorian Guard. How could he do that? If you read, if you read our scripture reading, he converted them. He was chained to those guards every day for two full years. And held inside a rented house that he, that was his prison, but he had to rent his house. He got to stay there day after day. And by the way, that's really not how Paul thought of the situation. He didn't see himself chained to the guards, he saw the guards as chained to him, and they couldn't get away. And day after day, he witnessed them. All his visitors, he get, the guards got to see him. And he witnessed to them about Jesus' love. They weren't his enemies. They were his audience. And he worked at winning them to God. And many were. Now you can read about that in Philippians chapter 1, verse 13, or Acts 28. 28 verse 30. Now why have I given you all these scripture verses? Because it isn't just me talking. Place after place in God's holy word, it tells us you're in a battle. And I don't know about you, but every once in a while, I start feeling like I'm losing. Any of you ever... None of you probably ever yelled at your television, it, right? You've never argued with your television. You've never turned it off in disgust, right? But there's things we're not even being told. This weekend, 1,200 rockets were launched, launched towards Israel. Our news doesn't even tell us that. 1,200 rockets were launched from Gaza into Israel this weekend. A bunch made it. People dying. The rockets are flying over. And a bunch didn't even make it. We went off fire and they landed on their own people in the Gaza. Our news doesn't report this. Google it. Check me out. 1,200 rockets. That's the last report I got. That was last night. You know, I went to Israel and I get lots of reports. No one's telling you about this, what's going on over there. A guy died in jail from drugs, and now the Palestinians are blaming the Israelites because they arrested him because he was on drugs, right? That's what started the whole battle, if you go back to the very beginning. They have the same problem. Satan uses the same things. Drugs here, drugs there, drugs coming out. A lady just got arrested because she bought fentanyl and poisoned her husband and killed him. Then she wrote a book about how sorry she was. She didn't admit to kill him in the book, but they got her, anyhow, they got her drug dealer. Satan doesn't use different things every place. He uses the same scheme. It works place after place. Our job is not to become defeated. Mothers have the best joy in the world. They get to watch children. And they have the biggest heartaches in the world. They get to watch children. Both happen. Fathers, same thing. We also get to watch a world around us. 
and realize that it needs repentance. It needs to come to repentance of their sins. So we need to close in prayer so I can bang on the floor to get the kids up so you, all the ladies can get a flower. You're getting a flower today. Or two if you need it. But God loves you. If he loves you, if he's for you, all the rest of the world can just be put away. And I've gotten mad at the world more than once. Any of you just... Yeah, you all have. Let's just be honest. Our problem is we got to remember who's in charge. We're fighting from victory. We're just mop-up battles. Let's close. Our Heavenly Father, you have blessed us today by your presence in this room. We thank you for our children downstairs and we pray for their future, Father. We pray for the peace of Israel today, too. Father, we think of all those in Israel going through the rocket attacks. We come before your throne, Father, with improper words but proper heart. So grant us wisdom in all we do. Help us to be your servants. It's our humble prayer. And all God's people said, Amen.